MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, December 24th, 2020. Today, Trump has vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act. That's different from the omnibus spending bill and the COVID relief bill. I'll go over all that. Though Trump has indicated he wants to veto those as well. Dominion Voting Systems joins Smartmatic and is suing Giuliani and others for defamation about their voting machines. The White House sends instructions to staff on how to pack up and leave, and then Trump rescinds the email. And Barr sends his farewell email and ghosts. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, it's Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve, and I'm one of those Jews that enjoys this time of year. I think it's very nice. I, I, I have a thing for Christmas. I grew up in like a really sort of Rockwellian environment, you know, soapbox colonial, early 70s, rural Ohio. So, you know, there's no snow here. It's like 76 today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... um. You know, I do have this thing for Christmas. I really love it. And I'm I'm not religious at all. But, um, you know, Christmas Eve, I just enjoy it. And, and every Christmas Eve, I watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street and Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. So I'll be enjoying those. Very sweet. Later tonight, ever since I was a child. Uh, don't miss those things. But um, big show today. I'm going to be talking to Steve Vladek. He's not just an expert on whether or not people should, who have retired from the military, should be able to be court-martialed. He's actually the head lawyer on the case that's being litigated about this. And I, I kind of learned that during the interview. You'll hear me go, oh, well. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I feel like you might know. I was like, yeah, I wanted to ask you. I thought you might know something about this. He's like, considering I'm the head attorney on the case. Mm. I was like, all right, cool. So we'll be talking to him. I'm going to do some news from under the radar. I'm going to try to go through this um what is going on with Trump just now leaving and threatening to veto and not signing the COVID relief bill yet. And I don't even know what's happening, but he's on his way to Florida. So we'll discuss that. And then you and I will go over the headlines here. And then, of course, we'll do the good news at the end. Sound like a deal? That sounds like a deal to me. Let's go. All right, cool. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Ah, hey, so the lead story today is that Trump has vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act. That's the NDAA. And he has threatened to veto the COVID relief bill and the omnibus bill package as well. So let me break these three things down for you because they are different things. So when you hear, when you see on the TV, Trump vetoes bill, it is not the omnibus spending bill. It is not the COVID relief bill, although he's threatened to veto those. He has vetoed the NDAA. This is the one that overwhelmingly passed. This is the one that funds our national defense, right? Our DOD and VA and all that other stuff and foreign aid to countries. And uh, so this is the, that's the one he vetoed. And he, he has said that the reason he's vetoing it is because it's a gift to Russia and mm-hmm. China. Uh, okay, it's not. There are things Republicans put in there that, that were pretty staunch on both Russia and China. But this is also the bill that um, has Section 230 in it, you know, because he gets his fifis heard on Twitter, so he wants to repeal that. And also the the Confederate bases. Right. This authorizes to rename Confederate bases, and that's why he's saying he's vetoing it. 
I think one of the main reasons he's vetoing it is because it forces shell companies to reveal where they get their money. They can't hide it anymore. <laughs> and that's crippling to money launderers, which is how Trump has made his money for the past three decades by laundering money, you know, through cash real estate purchases, mostly from Russians, right. um, including the shell company Kushner just created uh, so he can funnel <laughs> all of the money his donors are giving him. Back into their own pockets. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't, gosh, for some reason, he doesn't want shell companies to have to reveal where their money comes from. Um, now, I'm going to be going over the COVID relief and omnibus bill status later in the show in News from Under the Radar. But let's talk about the NDAA. So like I said, he calls it a gift to China and Russia. He complained in a letter to Congress about the Confederate base name changes. Um, and the, like I said, the Russian and China things are confusing because Republicans put measures in there to curb Russia and China. So Republicans are like, hur, hur, hur? That, <laughs> how is this a gift to China? How, you know what's a gift to China and Russia is ignoring the fact that Russia poisoned Navalny and also that they just hacked every single major computer system in our government. That's a gift to Russia, not the NDAA. Um, again, this bill overwhelmingly passed the House and Senate. I imagine Congress will override this veto. Republicans have been begging Trump not to veto this bill. And knew, knowing they would, though, they he, they saw it coming. They set themselves up to return to Congress on Monday during the holiday break because they thought, oh, we'll probably have to override this veto. So they return Monday after Christmas to vote. And the feeling in Washington, you know, reporters are saying, I'm feeling this. Uh, the feeling is that there is support to override that veto. So that's kind of what we're looking at now. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, he, he's at, he is literally losing his shit. So mm -hmm. he, this is just another example of that. This one's from the New York Times. With four weeks left in President Trump's term, he is at perhaps his most unleashed. <laughs> Jesus Christ, let's hope. Uh and as events of the last few days have demonstrated at the most unpredictable point in his presidency. Now, the last thing we need is this guy to be even more unpredictable than he's already been. Yeah, I feel like, you know, here's my prediction. He's going to, you know, and we've talked about this, right? He's going to cause chaos, blow a bunch of shit up. Um figuratively maybe literally i don't know but i don't think that's what's happening at the pentagon uh he's gonna skulk off to mar-a-lago for the holidays pardon himself he's gonna pardon a bunch more people oh yeah um as well I, I think everyone's basically what i think he's trying to do is like pardon fatigue so by the time he gets down to himself and his children he thinks everyone's gonna be like well we saw it coming mm -hmm. but, I, but i don't think that's gonna happen i mean we're you're still gonna get the uproar even though we saw it coming <laughs> One of the weird things, though, AG, is he's ready to blow up this bipartisan stimulus package that's gone mm. through. So basically, he's driving a wedge to his party as he does this, which he's done since he got inaugurated. Um, but he's also going to be granting clemency to a raft of allies and supporters, like you said, mostly outside the normal Justice Department process. So his behavior, completely erratic. It's been detached from his duties for a while now, um, even seeing some of the most loyal aides and advisors deeply concerned about it. <laughs> really mm. now you're concerned now yeah. you're concerned i, I can hear uh collins furrowing her brow oh i know we're probably gonna get a strongly weirded email that she'll never send um <laughs> i can't so for the moment though uh donald has told advisors he's willing to stop listening to Sidney powell which is funny because she seems to be the only person that's been fired that keeps showing up to work still <laughs> <laughs> Um, she's the lawyer who's been uh, who's appealed to him by peddling a conspiracy theory about the election and people like Patrick Bryan, um, excuse me, 
Byrne. Byrne. Patrick Byrne. Oh, I don't like to, I just don't like the way his name's spelled. Patrick <laughs> Byrne, the former chief executive of Overstock.com, which I am disappointed to find out because every once in a while I give my money to them. But I've known this for a while. Yeah, he, he dated Maria Butina. Yeah. The redhead honeypot NRA lady. Yeah. Devil's he, Mermaid. Apparently yeah. he had a nearly five hour meeting in the Oval Office um, last Friday. So, mm. and uh, yeah, at the, and then again, uh, the presidential residence. So he's, he's got his, he's got his hand in all these dealings as well. Barr, whose last day on the job is Wednesday, has told associates uh, he's been alarmed by Donald's behavior in recent weeks. So if Barr's concerned by Donald's behavior, I feel like that's the same thing as like Pat Robertson deciding mm-hmm. that Trump is no longer a man of God, whatever. God's choice. Exactly. Other advisors have privately said they feel worn out and are looking forward to the end of the term. I can only imagine. Boo frickin' who? Yes. Many of his advisors hope that his planned trip to his private club in Palm Beach, Florida, Mar-a-Lago, will give him a change of scenery and a change of perspective. That's so, it's such bullshit. It's the whole thing of like the press being like, he's got a he's got a presidential tone this week. Mm. He's not going to get a change of perspective. The only thing he's going to be seeing is more golf balls. Uh, he's scheduled to leave on Wednesday and stay through the new year holiday. Although some aides said, uh, he still might decide against it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, they don't want him down there anyway. So, well, he just left, right? Like he just got on the plane, right. um, a minute ago. He didn't take any questions. No helicopter conference. He just went helicopter conference i love it the thing with this whole thing with the stimulus package that he's gonna and you'll get into this later i just think it's funny that you know pelosi was asking mcconnell how much is the how how much how much does uh, the president want the checks to be and mcconnell's like i'm not telling you she's like come on just tell us how much she wants the checks to be and mcconnell's like i'm not fucking telling you and then trump is like i want two thousand dollars yeah i don't know (laughs) i have a feeling that trump is just blowing things of course up he if, he, if he everyone's like no no because mcconnell went up months ago and told him don't tell anyone you want two thousand dollars like you think donald trump's gonna not tell people of course yeah so that hits not he doesn't care he's, he's just yeah he's trying to steamroll mitch mcconnell he's pissed at him do it do it and i love it so yeah we'll talk more about that later but Maybe if you steam Mitch McConnell, you'll get the wrinkles out of his chins. I don't know. Isn't that no. what steaming does to Mitch McConnell? It would just leave a sort of a flat. Oh, okay. Uh, face skin, like it would. It would be bad. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of people's looks. I apologize, but Mitch McConnell is not from this species. That's all. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this is different because this is sort of along the lines of hate corroding the container it's carried in. Yeah. It's a little different than 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 look shaming. They, oh, that's a really good analogy. Very good analogy. Thank you. We've been saying that for a while now. So people, when people get on me for like look shaming, I'm like, nope, I'm soul shaming. It does it to your face every time. <laughs> um, now here's something cool. You know, we've been talking about the Smartmatic uh, voting machines yes. and how they sued Newsmax and OAN. And, oh, but and, there's more. And Fox had to go on and, and re- Lou Dobbs and retract his bullshit statements because they they put a fiery letter out there. Uh, and then Dominion was like, hey, us too. And I'm like, uh-oh, something's going to happen. Well, it has. Dominion Voting Solutions has joined Smartmatic and threatened legal action against Pat Cipollone and Rudy Giuliani. This is from CNN. They say a defamation law firm representing Dominion Voting Systems has sent letters to White House counsel Pat Cipollone and President Donald Trump's attorney Rudy Giuliani instructing them to preserve all records related to the company at the center of Trump's conspiracy theories and warning Giuliani that legal action is imminent. Ah, 
Through two well-known defamation attorneys, Dominion Voting Systems sent letters to uh, Cipollone and Giuliani Tuesday demanding Giuliani stop making defamatory claims against Dominion and ensure there is no confusion about your obligation to preserve and retain all documents relating to Dominion and your smear campaign against the company. The attorneys told Cipollone their preservation request is vast and includes conversations White House officials had with attorneys like Giuliani or Sidney Powell regarding Dominion. So this is fun. So we're going to see what Dominion can shake loose now. I mean, if they had to put up retractions on Newsmax and Fox, I don't think OAN has yet. Right. um, Because of Smartmatic. We'll see what Dominion can pull out. But this is a well-known, these are well-known defamation attorneys from a big white shoe law firm. So it's going to be fun. This is fantastic. I hope they take them for everything they can because I want to see these guys going down for something. Mm. Um, This next part is just sort of hilarious to me. I mean, this story because (laughs) no one knows what the fuck is going on in the White House. So as President Trump continues to contest the results of 2020, uh, staffers in the executive office of the president were told Tuesday that they will start departing on the week of January 4th. But in an email Wednesday morning from the White House Management Office, the EOP staffers were instructed to please disregard an earlier memo that had been sent Tuesday informing them that they will start departing on the week of January 4th. Both messages were obtained by Politico. So I just think this is hysterical. The Tuesday memo also included information pertaining to outgoing employees' payroll benefits, sick leave records, ethics briefing, and security clearance. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> ethics debriefing is yep. that what you said yep <laughs> yep yep that's what i said uh, okay yeah uh staffers were also notified that they would receive quote comprehensive checklist in the coming days and be directed to take inventory of your office space like mm. don't steal any shit <laughs> <laughs> fucking ppo smearing off ice guys are taking all their k-cups who would want the mementos from this administration <laughs> i just can't even imagine the the i, I imagine the k-cups have like little presidential seals with trump's face on it like with a thumbs up or something just totally <laughs> awful uh, there's other bullet points in the memo mentioning uh, cleaning out your refrigerator and your microwave returning quote all white house stationery and presidential gifts now i, I find that one a little bit interesting um you would you have to give back the shit that the president's given you over the last four years? What does that even mean? Yeah, every time he walked around and pooped on your desk, you have to give the, those poops back. I know. God, I wouldn't even want anything he touched anyway. And the reason I say that is because presidential gifts is in quotes, and that makes me think of like my parents used to refer to when the dog shit on the carpet. They would say, "Oh, they left us a gift," and so that's what I've. That's what I picture when pre- when presidential gifts is in quotes like that. Oh my god! This well, the next one's even funnier. Work supplies will need to be disinfected upon return. <laughs> so by Wednesday morning, the White House Management Office had advised in its new email that updated information will be shared in the coming days. So the memos come as the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows reportedly visited Georgia on Tuesday to observe local officials' audit of absentee ballot envelope signatures, a process demanded by the president as part of his bid to overturn the battleground state's election results. Mm. Yeah, and if you want to follow all the bullshit lawsuits going on in Georgia... You know, check out Mark E. Elias on Twitter. He's he's following all that on Democracy Docket. So, uh, all right, we'll be right back to chat with SCOTUS expert and host of the National Security Law Podcast, Steve Vladek, about whether retired service members can be court-martialed under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. But first, I'm going to go over the status of the COVID relief and omnibus bills, and I'm going to do that right after this break. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by American Giant. Did you know back in the 60s, 95% of our clothes were made in the United States, while as 3% are made in the U.S. today? That seems like a pretty significant drop. Most of the stuff we buy now is made overseas. It feels kind of disposable. It's poorly made. That's why I think right now is a perfect time to buy clothes made here in America. And at American Giant, they want to make things better by making better things. American Giant has built a 100% USA-based supply chain with strong relationships to factories and workers and communities at every step of the way. It's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for our people and the planet, too. That's sustainable. You don't have to keep buying clothes over and over again. They don't fall apart, so they don't end up in landfills. I recently got American Giant's fleece trucker jacket. It's perfect for the cold weather. It is warm and snuggly. It's very soft and comfy and it's beautiful. It's really well made. And best of all, it was manufactured here in the United States supporting local communities and local factories. So check out American Giant. Get the best, highest quality clothes on the market. And you get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. I absolutely love their stuff. It's 15% off when you use the code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So let's talk about the COVID relief bill and the omnibus spending bill. You may have seen now we're recording this in the uh, afternoon of, uh, of Wednesday, right? December 23rd. And so, you know, who knows what could happen between now and tomorrow morning. But I'm giving you the latest and greatest that I know. And uh, as we speak, Trump is on a plane to Mar-a-Lago. That's what's happening right now. These bills haven't been signed. Uh, But let me tell you a little bit about it, because earlier in the show, I talked about the NDAA and that Trump vetoed that. And that is separate from this omnibus bill package and the COVID relief package. There are two different bills, omnibus and COVID relief, but they were signed and voted on at the same time. And that was the Republicans' idea, by the way. So I just want, you know, just want to put that out there. So... You may have seen some tweets going around saying that, you know, the COVID relief bill is giving $500 million to Israel and it's funding the border wall. But that is not exactly true. That is the omnibus spending bill. And during Trump's weird televised video last night, Tuesday night, he conflated the two bills after it was his own party, like I said, that worked to tie the two together into one vote. But they are separate bills. He also said during that video that he wanted to increase the, quote, ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for couples. And that is in reference to the one-time COVID relief payment check that, you know, we, we got $1,200 earlier in the year. You know, certain people, not everybody. It depends on how much money you make. They're means testing it. And they're not doing a very good job at it, by the way, because a lot of people who made more than $99,000 a year still got the full benefit, waiting to see if those have to be paid back, <laughs> probably knowing this government, this administration. But Trump came out and said it was ridiculously low, the 600, which is what the Democrats have been saying since March. Since March. Now, Trump derided the amount of foreign aid in the omnibus bill and, you know, tying it to the COVID relief package, even though the amounts in the, first of all, separate bill, and second of all, the amounts in the omnibus for for foreign aid are pretty much exactly the foreign relief amounts of his own fucking budget, the White House budget, which he probably didn't read anyway. But the call for $2,000 instead of 600 goes directly against what Republicans want because, like I said, they've been blocking Democrats who wanted $1,200 or $2,000. They've been blocking it for months. They passed the CARES Act months ago. It's two, two of them. They've been sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. And Mnuchin was the one sticking to the $600 amount. So Pelosi called his bluff. 
He, she tweeted, quote, Republicans repeatedly refused to say what amount the president wanted for direct checks. At last, the president has agreed to $2,000. Democrats are ready to bring this to the floor this week by unanimous consent. Let's do it. She tweeted. She called his bluff. Now, this puts the Republicans in a super shitty spot, and I'm, I'm loving it, because now they have to either support the $2,000 or go against what the president, Democrats, and Americans, frankly, want. They're squirming today and have jumped on a conference call to try to figure out how to get out from under the bus Trump just threw them under. On the call, one of the Republicans, McCarthy, said he spoke with Trump, who has not yet indicated that he would definitely veto this current package. That's the one with the $600 checks. And I'm sure Republicans are begging him to just sign it so they don't have to vote no on a $2,000 check for Americans. House Dems have said they already put a bill put together and they're going to pass it in the house that has the two thousand dollar checks in it and send it to mitch to see whether he ignores it or folds he, he probably has to ignore it right it'll be interesting but <laughs> uh, the president only has five days to sign off on the omnibus before the government shuts down that's the omnibus bill not the covid relief bill and the unemployment benefits and the COVID relief bill, if he doesn't sign it, the unemployment benefits run out the day after Christmas. That's even less time. So there's a lot on the line here. Personally, and Dana and I discussed this a little bit earlier, I think Trump is just pissed at Mitch. If you remember, he sent out a slide saying Mitch jumped the Trump ship after Donald helped him win his election in Kentucky. Interesting, interesting little sort of revelation there. How did you help exactly, Donald? Because the numbers in Kentucky are weird. I've been saying for weeks now, Trump doesn't want to be the only loser. And he could be sabotaging the Georgia runoffs to make Mitch lose the Senate so Donald isn't standing alone atop the loser board. I think Trump is mad because the Republicans and Mitch didn't and aren't helping him try to overturn the election. I think he's only got like Tommy Tuberville, a uh, senator who might object on January 6th. No other senators, I think, are going to do that. Uh, Lindsey Graham put out a tweet saying, yeah, uh, $2,000, okay, but also you should overturn Section 230, you know, which is the the Twitter uh, social media section that, that Trump vetoed in the NDAA. That's in the NDAA. That's not even in the omnibus bill. They're just so they're either conflating them on purpose so that Americans think that foreign aid and money to Israel and money for the wall are tied to the COVID relief bill and the NDAA somehow, but they're not. Now, Purdue and Loeffler now have to answer to Georgia voters about the $2,000, right? This is, it's going to get weird. So I think to get even with Mitch, Donald gave the Dems this gift of calling for $2,000 stimulus checks just to blow it up, right? Putting Senate Republicans between a, between a crematorium and a dildo shop, right? And we're here for it. Now, like I said, Trump didn't take any helicopter questions as he departed for Mar-a-Lago just a few minutes ago. And remember my beans. I said he's going to leave for Mar-a-Lago for the holidays, not come back. He won't return. Maybe, he, maybe he'll come back to get his whoobie out of the bunker. But he'll pardon himself and he'll pardon his... Uh, his crotch goblins, his kids, you know, I'm certain, I'm certain just as, as Dana said, and I know Lawrence O'Donnell has said this, a lot of people are positing that he's shocking us with these pardons, like, like the two border patrol agents or the four Blackwater war criminals. 
to sort of uh, loosen the pickle jar so we aren't as shocked when he pardons himself and, and his kids. I don't know that that's going to work. I don't know why he bothers to, I don't think it matters to him. And Christmas Eve would be a very, very usual time to sort of put news like that out that you don't want to, to draw a lot of attention to. Right? That's why I'm putting this under the radar in this section here. But, you know, uh, it's going to get worse <laughs> before it gets better. And, you know, we've been saying this about him for years now. We've called it, we called it lubing the truth. Remember the old Mueller Show podcast, Lubing the Truth, where they sort of accidentally dropped the truth on you, like when Don Jr. released his emails ahead of time before the news could so that he could control the narrative, you know? sort of drop the truth on you so when the actual truth comes out, people go, ah, that Trump Tower meeting wasn't much. There's nothing really wrong with that. There's no collusion. It's reflexive control, right? That's, that's, that's his M.O. And I think that's what's happening with these pardons. So we'll keep an eye on it for you. We'll be right back with Steve Vladek. We're going to talk about whether Flynn should face court-martial even though he's retired from the Army. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by the most delicious thing I've ever put in my mouth. It's Magic Spoon Cereal. Since I was just a lowercase AG, since I was a baby, a little wee child, I uh, ate cereal all the time. Sit down in front of Saturday morning cartoons, eat an entire box of cereal, and then drink the milk that was delicious and, and chocolatey afterwards. Uh, but as I got to be an adult, I couldn't really eat cereal anymore because all the sugar and carbs. But I'm excited to share a Magic Spoon. It is cereal that's so tasty you will not believe it's good for you. It's made without all the sugar, carbs, or guilt. It's actually got stuff in it that your body needs. It's truly amazing, and it you won't believe it's healthy because it's so good. It's so delicious. As Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon is the future of breakfast, and I agree. They, they have created, amazingly, cereals that have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Three! And it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, high-protein, and GMO-free. And the best part, it's delicious. Four amazing flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. All the nostalgia you need wrapped up into four flavors there. Magic Spoon tastes incredible. I snack on it dry sometimes during the day because it's healthy and nutritious and it's guilt-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans. Grab a variety pack and try all the flavors today. And be sure to use our promo code dailybeans at checkout. And that way you get free shipping too. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, but you will. That is magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use the code dailybeans for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, I'm joined by SCOTUS expert, professor of law at University of Texas and host of the National Security Law podcast, Steve Vladek. Steve, welcome back. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm okay, Allison. We really do have to stop meeting like this, though. Every time every time we talk, I keep telling you this. <laughs> no, but th this one's kind of good. I mean, I think we would meet... No, you're right. We wouldn't meet like this if Flynn w weren't committing probably sedition. But details. you're right. Here we are, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, so we've been pondering the age-old question, at least age-old on our podcast, about whether military retirees such as Michael Flynn or, or myself are subject to court-martial under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I wanted to talk to you about it because apparently there's ongoing litigation about this, whether it's constitutional or not. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Um, I, I probably can since I'm, I'm the lead counsel in the ongoing litigation <laughs> challenging it. Um, so, so, you know, the there's been the status of retired service member really dating all the way back to the Civil War. Um, 
And we should be clear, everyone, retired is not the same thing as separated, right? That, you know, there are folks who separate, um, by which we mean they sever all connections with the military, they, you know, collect no subsequent benefits, they have no um, obligation to be subject to recall, etc. You know, folks who retire, um, retire, at least in theory, on the condition that they can be in certain circumstances, involuntarily recalled to active duty. Um, and since time immemorial, the government has argued that that's combined with the fact that retirees receive, you know, basically a pension of some shape or form um, is enough to um, continue them as folks who are, quote, in the land and naval forces and therefore subject to court martial, even for offenses committed after retirement, even for offenses that have nothing at all to do with the military. Um, these prosecutions have been rare, but they haven't been non-existent and they've picked up a bit in the last couple of years. And so that's where this litigation has come in. Um, there's a uh, retired Marine um, and there's a retired uh, Navy enlisted man um, Two retired Navy, two retired Navy enlisted men um, who have been prosecuted for post-retirement offenses by the Navy, um, and uh, one of those cases is still pending before the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. That's a case called the United States versus Bagani, um, and one um, is now in the civilian courts where uh, the D.C. District Court just last month ruled that this kind of jurisdiction was unconstitutional. That's the case of Stephen Larrabee, um, mm. and so. You know, the, the short answer is it is still the law in the military that this is all perfectly OK. There's now a district court decision saying it's not. Um, and I think we can safely say the specter of further litigation in both the civilian and military courts before this is settled. And and you're arguing against ha having retirees uh, be subject to court martial. Is that correct? I am, which puts me on the weird side of actually like, you know, defending. Well, I, defending is not the right word of aligning with for the moment, General Flynn. Um, and, and, and you know, to make a long story short, I mean, I think the, the concern that animates this is military jurisdiction is supposed to be the exception, not the rule, um, right? That, you know, yes, active duty service members, as the Supreme Court held in 1987, are supposed to be subject to court martial at any time for any offense, but that's only active duty service members. Um, reservists, for example, are not subject to court martial when they're not uh, either on active duty or inactive duty training. And so why should retirees be more subject to court martial than reservists? I mean, that's basically the our central argument is that it just it doesn't make sense anymore that, you know, in the old days when the retired list was the primary source of force augmentation. Um, sure. Yeah. OK. Keep retirees subject to the UCMJ. But the reality today is retirees are almost never involuntarily recalled to active duty. Um, under the government's own regulations, over 70 percent of retirees are actually ineligible to be recalled to active duty. And so it just seems like in a world where there are alternative mechanisms for prosecuting these folks if they commit crimes, for kicking them out of retirement if they you know, should be administratively separated, this anachronistic jurisdiction just no longer makes sense. That's the basic argument. Although, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about Mike Flynn um, <laughs> when we brought these cases. No, right. And and let's talk about alternative means of, of bringing justice to folks, because uh, am I Correct. Or you tell us what what how does double jeopardy apply to the Uniform Code of Military Justice? Yeah. So the military is the same sovereign as the federal government. Um, so, you know, federal civilian prosecutors and federal military prosecutors cannot try the same person for the same offense. But as the Supreme Court just reiterated two years ago in the Gamble case, um, that's not true for state prosecutors. And so it's perfectly appropriate. Well, it's at least perfectly constitutional. I'll, I'll save the I'll save the appropriate for other people. Um 
for you know state prosecutors to go after service members, even if they've already been tried by the military, um, and vice versa. I, I think the real question is, you know, is there any real specter that folks are going to get off the hook and not face prosecution anywhere? And I think the reality there is not like it used to be, right? I mean, because thanks to the Military Extraterritorial Jurisdiction Act, MEJA, which Congress passed in 2000, you know, civilian federal courts today have much broader jurisdiction over extraterritorial offenses committed by either current or you know former service members. Um, and I think that's a, that, that's a big part of why the sort of the need to have this old school military jurisdiction of retirees just isn't there anymore. Yeah. And I ask that because our number one concern when we were on base, uh, at least for most of the people that were there uh, in the Navy, was that if you went out into town and got a, a DUI, uh, most of the time the police would just drag your drunk self back to base and say, you deal with it. Yep. But the concern was that you could be prosecuted by uh, the cops outside and the cops inside, right? And so that was the like the big scare that everybody was concerned about. And not just DUI, although that was a very common one uh, in, in the military. But the, the interesting thing about the Uniform Code of Military Justice is that the, the, the military just sort of decides what it's going to do. It doesn't have to prosecute or not have to prosecute, or at least it seems like that. It's It seems looser. And, and you bring this up in other instances, too, because the laws are very broad and the and the, the military can decide what applies and what doesn't. Is I mean, is that correct? You, you brought up sedition, for for example. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a common misconception that, you know, the I think folks who haven't experienced the military uh, justice system, who haven't served, who just who haven't litigated in this context, just assume that when we talk about courts martial, we're talking about military offenses like mutiny and hazarding a vessel and, you know, disobeying a direct order. Um, and the reality is that the court martial system today actually looks much more like an ordinary state criminal court where a majority of the offenses the military prosecutes are non-military, you know, often off-base, drug offenses, um, sexual assault offenses, sexual misconduct offenses. Um, and, you know, and I think that's um, and oh, sorry. And the third big category is porn, drug, sex, and porn. Right. That's that's like the the majority of the of the military docket. Um, and I think what that reflects, Allison, is that you know the UCMJ is incredibly broad in what it proscribes. Um, so it has a whole bunch of so-called punitive articles, um, including some like Article 94, which defines sedition, that define offenses much more broadly than civilian federal criminal statutes. But it also has the general article, um, right, which is what, what Article 134 is known as, which basically says, and if you commit any other crime, you know, um, which has the effect of almost assimilating into military law, um, state laws, right, in the state in which you are you are based. So, you know, service members are really subject to a remarkably broad overlapping set of potential legal restrictions. And at least, you know, until this litigation we're going through now, the same applies to retired service members, even folks who might have been retired for you know, 30, 40 years from the military. Mm. And, a, and a common theme I noticed um, years ago when I was doing research on military sexual assault was that uh, in order to, to prevent or to scare people out of reporting, they would threaten them with the court martial for adultery, not because the the victim was married, but because the perpetrator was married. And so you can't sit there and say, that'll never fly in court when it's the Uniform Code of Military Justice that you're facing. So it just becomes this huge specter. Uh, and so it's 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 interesting. And I I for one am glad that you're fighting the fight to keep retirees from from being prosecuted under Uniform Code of Military Justice as much as I would like to see 
Flynn snatched up and 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 tried for sedition conspiracy. Uh, I I don't necessarily know that he isn't on the hook for it in real life. Uh, I, when I say in real life, I mean not in the military. Yeah, I mean, I mean, General Flynn seems to be very good at committing the crimes. Um, <laughs> and and you know, I, I think, I mean, at this rate, he might need another pardon before we're done. Um, I, I, you know, I, I under. Let's, let so me you're with me on that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're with me on that because I've said I've said this on the show. I'm like, look, this is he he is calling for a military coup and plotting this with the with people in the Oval Office after his pardon. And so I just had this vision in my head of Trump every week being like, OK, I pardon him again. OK, I'm pardoning <laughs> him again for real this time. OK, one more time. But if he does steps out of line after that last pardon, assuming that you can't pardon anyone for future crimes, that's not explicitly in the Constitution. Somebody might have to litigate that at some point. It just seems like to me, and I said, I, I said, I think the term in 2021 everyone should get used to is the term post-pardon crime, because I think we might see some of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I, so, so let me just say, I am a little wary um, of, conc- of of suggesting that Flynn has already violated, you know, the civilian seditious conspiracy statute, because if you actually read the statute, it's 18 U.S.C. Section 2384. You know, just sort of saying really offensive, obnoxious, anti-democratic things um, is actually not of itself a violation of the statute, um, right? And this is where the civilian and military offenses actually differ a little bit, where the military has a broader um, definition of the offense. And so I, I guess, you know, we ought to be able to think that what Flynn is doing is incredibly reprehensible, but also at least thus far, you know, mostly constitutionally protected speech. Um, and that, you know, yes, we, you know, I, I hope we don't have to find out whether we go past the constitutionally protected speech part of this. Um, but, you know, the, this is, I mean, it, it's, it's an old axiom in the law, right? That, that bad cases make bad law. And it just, I think this is, this is a good example of that, that like, you know, people have such a, a just sort of visceral reaction to Flynn, um, that there's a temptation to just say, it doesn't matter. We'll get him somehow. Um, <laughs> and, and I think we ought to be able to sort of say, you know, what he's doing right now is completely despicable, um, and indefensible and makes you wonder how he ever rose to a third star in the first place. But, um, you know, maybe we should sort of, um, slow down on throwing the book at him. If all he's done so far is, is publicly suggest things that, you know, t- hopefully will never come to fruition. So what of that, uh, there's a, a meme traveling around that says that for conspiracy, sedition conspiracy, you don't actually have to have that overt act uh, that is required in normal conspiracy. You don't, so you don't have to have an overt act, but you do have to have, it, there has to be some some element of force. Ah. Um, and that's what's missing, I think, from everything that Flynn has done so far, which is, you know, encouraging others to commit acts of sedition does not to me suggest that you are thereby committing acts of force, the likes of which satisfy the seditious conspiracy statute. And this is this is the difference between the civilian sedition statute and the military one. The military one, Article mm-hmm. 94 A2, just 10 USC 894 A2, um, doesn't have a force requirement. And that's why, you know, that's why if you really wanted to sort of make the strongest case that Flynn has done something unlawful already, you know, the UCMJ is where people are looking. And I just want I would just say again, like Yes, I understand Flynn is a is a scumbag, um, but let's let's resist the temptation to bend the laws, you know, for the scumbag in a way that's going to hurt the you know octogenarian Korean war vet. Right. Yeah, I, I'm with you as as much as I would like to, you know, as much as I have that visceral reaction to Flynn that you say, much like Judge Sullivan did on December 18th of 2018 when he asked if anyone was looking at treason for the man. 
uh, and you know said he he betrayed his country. It's just light treason. Yeah, just I might have committed a little light treason. Exactly. But but you know I would not want military retirees subject to uniform code of military justice. I would not want it. I'd be walking around with this serious shadow on my. Actually, I'm not a retiree. I'm just separated, so it doesn't apply you're to fine. me anyway. All right, well, you're good. Oh, great! I'm going to go out and crime today. Cool, sweet. I'm going to go to the supermarket, a.k.a. shoplifting trap. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, never mind those pesky local authorities who might have a thing to say about it. <laughs> I can't be prosecuted for anything ever. Uh, <laughs> and it's 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 interesting. But, yeah, I think I think the best thing is to apply the law equally and judiciously. And if and, uh, you know, maybe and when Flynn commits a crime. After his final pardon, if there's multiples, <laughs> then, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But until then, we, you're right. We should not be bending the laws because then you catch other people. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. Where can people follow you, Steve? Uh, for better or for worse, they can follow me on Twitter at Steve underscore Vladek. Um, and actually, this is a real statement against interest. But my wife and I have a new podcast um, <gasps> about being lawyers and parents and parents and lawyers. Um, it's called In Loco Parents. And you can find it at Parents on Twitter um, or on your favorite podcast platforms. So um, if you really want to listen to more of this and, you know, also hear me get uh, dragged by my wife, which is why I think many people follow us on Twitter, um, check it out. You're both lawyers? Uh, for better or for worse. She's a real lawyer. I just play one on podcasts. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. You just teach it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's got to be interesting for the kids um (laughs) so our our daughters are four and a half and two and a half so they're not quite old enough to appreciate it yet but you know we're already traumatizing them in ways that you know years from now they'll need they'll need you know tens of thousands of dollars of therapy to fix good then we can go to the husband wife psychiatrist podcast teams and and talk to them exactly thanks so much steve we're a full service shop anytime (laughs) i appreciate your time everybody stick around we'll be right back after this Hey, everybody. Thanks for supporting The Daily Beans. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. I love this stuff. The pandemic hasn't just tested our economic endurance. It's exposed how we really have to build up our immune systems and stay healthy. That's why I recommend you take the superfood powder Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. While other health products boast about one vegetable, Field of Greens has 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables. Plus, it's got green tea, ginger, turmeric, and beets. This powerful combination supports heart health. It can support heart health. It can support a healthy immune system. It can support a healthy metabolism and blood pressure and digestion. The Field of Greens is loaded with antioxidants, and they have pre and probiotics. So just put one scoop in a glass of water, stir, and you're done. So why settle for one vegetable when you can have the entire Field of Greens? Uh, So add Field of Greens to your daily routine. See why our powdered greens have earned over 2,000 five-star reviews. And go to fieldofgreens15.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code BEANS at checkout. That's fieldofgreens15.com. Available in two flavors, regular and wild berry. Both taste amazing. Field of Greens 15, that's 1-5, fieldofgreens15.com, promo code BEANS. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Ah, Christmas Eve, good news. I'm so excited. I am too. So is Mary in labor? No, because that never happened. I don't, uh, mm. what is happening tonight? His birthday is not even tomorrow. I mean, it technically wasn't he born in March. Whatever. I don't mean to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> True. Yeah, it's just Yule, you thieving Christian <laughs> bastards. But, uh, you know, tonight at midnight, Jesus is born. Right on. Right at midnight. Very, yeah. 
convenient. Such an even number. Very. He's yeah. prompt. It comes right on time. Uh, and so it's Christmas Eve. And then, of course, tomorrow, Christmas Day, I am having my happy hour, my Christmas Day happy hour. I'll probably dress up and have a Christmassy sort of cocktail and and uh, that'll be at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That's for patrons. If you're alone and lonely, join us. All join right. us. All right. Let's get to the good news, confessions, corrections, et cetera. If you have any, you can send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click contact. That's how you send us stuff. Next from, or first, I should say, Deb, a loyal listener. No pronouns given here. During this dumpster fire that is 2020, I'm happy to share some very good news. Last week, NASA announced the team members for the Artemis mission. My cousin, Joe Acaba, has been selected as a member of the Artemis program. This news has lifted me out of the doom and gloom that is 2020, and I'm reminded that there are amazing things to come in our future. Our family is very proud that Joe is the first person of Puerto Rican heritage to be named as a NASA astronaut. Wow. He will be one of the most experienced astronauts on the Artemis team with 306 days, 34 minutes in space. His previous NASA missions include three three trips to the ISS, the International Space Station. Joe's first mission was via the Space Shuttle Discovery, STS-119, and two via the Soyuz TMA-04M and Expeditions 53 and 54. Oh, that's so cool. NASA's Artemis program will continue to make history by landing the first woman and next man on the moon in 2024. Joe has long dreamed of going to the moon. That's what motivated him to apply for NASA through their Teachers in Space program. I love that. Teachers in Space. (laughs) After his achievements at NASA, he feared he would be too old to make the team. It's fantastic that he was selected. His lifelong journey is an example of working to attain your goals, even when the odds seem impossible. Go, Joe. The news of his success, as I said, lifted me out of the 2020 WTF blues, and I'm looking forward to a better future without the constant trumping dumpster fire. Thank you for all your work. I would have sunk to lower lows without listening to your podcasts. I have included my two fur babies that sit with me while I listen to my daily beans. Pepper. Hi, Pepper. Black and white. And Tesla. Golden brown. Tesla. Hi, Pepper. Hi, Tesla. Good dogs. Stay safe with gratitude. Side note, NASA had has had a disappointing history when dealing with BIPOC inclu- uh, inclusion issues. But that's a different story. I recommend the documentary Blacks in Space, which aligns NASA and the civil rights movement. Ooh, I want to check that out. Awesome. It's seriously, Hidden Figures is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies of all time. Like, I watch it all the time, and I cry my eyes out every time I watch it, and I love Mm -hmm. it. So I think I will watch that as well. Look at these babies. They are very sweet. (gasps) Hey, Pepper. Hi, Tesla. Oh, the second one. I know. They look like they're releasing their album. Oh, my God. They're just so cute. I need an animal. I need a pet. All right. This next one comes from Jen, pronoun she and her. I don't have any good news to share, but I just listened to some heartwarming stories while AG and DG broke down into tears. I was cutting onions, people. (laughs) There was something in my eye. And figured maybe you want something to bookmark for those times you need to power through some of these stories. So I have a 12-year-old sense of humor. And because you like chicken pictures, please see attached. Also a picture of our good boy Tanner, who recently had his first ice rink experience and decided all the neighbor's pucks belonged to him. Well, they do. Tanner, you puck slut. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Look (gasps) at Tanner. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like he's mid-slide on the ice. Like, Like, he's just sliding from left to right across the frame on look at his snowy nose with the puck in his mouth oh my god sweet baby his toes look at his toes (gasps) he's gripped like see his toes are all spread apart he's got yoga toes trying to stay on that ice look at that he totally does that's funny oh so cute all right next and thank you for the chicken picture i do love chickens i'm gonna bookmark it next up from dana pronouns she and her 
No particular good news to report. Just paying my pod pet tax. Just wanted to share a picture of one of my pod pets. This is Stripey Baby or Princess or Tubby Tabby. She doesn't answer to anything but the shaking of a treat jar. We have an agreement that my office chair becomes her sleeping throne when my workday is done. I put a knitted throw on the seat and then cover it with a velour throw, but she's not spoiled. No, not at all. She is pictured with what I call Kitta DND. Do not disturb. <laughs> oh, when they put the paw over the face. I, lo- I love when cats do that. They put the paw over their eyes. Kitta DND. I like it. That's, That's a good name for it. I love it. I love it. All right. This next one comes from anonymous pronouns. She and her. I had cats my whole life growing up, but my husband is mildly allergic. So we've never had any together. Although I've always talked about how I miss having one and our toddler loves watching cat videos and adored my mom's cats when we were still able to do grandparent visits. Finally, late this morning, we decided as a family to start looking at adopting. Initially, I restricted searches on pet finder to Siamese and Russian blues since they tend to trigger fewer allergies, but we never had any luck. On a whim, my husband suggested we just scroll through the most recently added kittens and a sibling pair caught his eye, a tabby and a calico with black eye patch. He fell in love, (laughs) even though they weren't the less allergenic breeds. And we got approved to adopt. We had to wait a couple of weeks for them to get spayed. But we were able to bring them home yesterday, and it's been an absolute blast. They're so snuggly and well socialized, and my husband washes his hands after petting and hasn't had an allergic reaction to them Nice. The toddler is a bit overenthusiastic at the moment, <laughs> but has already mastered gentle hands and is now working on how to throw toys across the floor for kitties to chase rather than wingling, winging jingly balls directly at their heads. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look at these kitties. I love kittens. They're the sweetest. No. Little butts. I know. Toads. I'm so happy for you. Thank you for sending those in. Tom pronouns he and him i'm out of the hospital oh yay tom's out of the hospital yes after over a month in the hospital my daughter and son-in-law installed me in their dining room (laughs) (laughs) they have been taking great care of me this last week and even rolled me outside to see the jupiter saturn conjunction on monday best was that on saturday i got to see my wife for the first time since the november 13th accident there was crying and hugs my first real hug since the accident i'm far from being able to walk but surgery mid-January and the left ankle and right hip replacement should give, get me up uh, on my right leg by the end of January. When my wife came to visit, she brought Stella along, who got comfortable on my blanket-covered lap pretty quickly. Thank you for helping me stay informed through all this. I haven't seen a news show since the accident. Really don't seem to need one with y'all. Oh, Oh, look. Oh, God. Okay, dog, old dogs oh. that are missing teeth and they can't keep their tongue in their mouth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one, this one is the is like a little silky Yorkie, with the tongue out of the right side of the mouth. Meh. Little blap on the left oh side. Oh my goodness. That's so great. I'm goodness, so glad goodness. you're home. I'm so glad you're home, Tom. I know. All right. This next one comes from Cat. Pronoun she and her. Good news. I've sewn my seven hundredth mask today. Although that makes me still a bit of a piker compared to those I know who've sewn two to 3,000 masks since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, I need no praise for myself as sewing was my zen during these trying times. It gave me the sense that I could do something about this pandemic, even if it seemed clear that this administration meant to do just about nothing. Your podcast was one of my go-tos while I sewed, entertaining and educational with a sense of humor that made the time pass. Mm. I like to think that every mask sewn was one life saved. My grandmother sewed, um, sewed cots, sheets, and bandages for the army during World War II. I often thought she must have felt the same way every time she sewed a simple square over and over again. 
doing a part for the war effort. Every square was one GI's life saved. As with thousands of men and women like my grandmother, the women and men from all walks of life who sewed masks uh, may only be a footnote in history, but they deserve to be recognized. As for me, I would like to recognize the core group of people on my Twitter feed that supported me materially and spiritually in my efforts, except for meeting them on Twitter. They were all complete strangers to me. I did not even know their real names, nor they mine, but when I needed to buy material or scrounge some elastic, they were there. Maybe their greatest contribution was in showing me, during these dark times, that goodness and humanity still existed. As you must know, I've had my doubts over the last four years. Amen, Mm. sister. So many say social media is evil. In reality, social media is what we make of it. Here we created an incredible community that I will always remember with pride. I've attached my my pod tax pick. Jesus H. I've attached my pod tax pick of the pod cat. He acquired us during the pandemic. Literally, the door was open while we worked in the yard. When we came in, we found this strange kitten sleeping in the rocking chair. He hasn't left since then. He's he has us trained very well. I hung this old wind chime from the door as a decoration. The kitty has discovered he can jingle it to be let out or get fed, or if he just wants us to open the door so he can look outside. <laughs> Every time I do, I think of a young Frankenstein movie. Yes, master. I hear I and hear obey. <laughs> Anywho, thanks again for being there and give all the pod pets scritches from me. Aww. Oh, that's a pretty mask. That is a pretty mask. And so I, so I love that these animals are so smart. They let themselves in. <laughs> they moved in. And then they're going to be like, I need, I need to get out. I need you to feed me. I need you to give me snacks. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Now, you ha- you hung the wind chime on the doorknob. So that's on you, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Next up from Allison, pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies. It's another Allison again. Oh, it's the other Allison again. My good news is the absolute joy I felt when y'all had Kathy Griffin on the show to share her story. Kathy was one of my mom's favorite comedians in her last few years of life. We even managed to see Kathy live here in Austin two times in the 2010s when my mom's health was well enough that she could go outside and do things but was too busy dealing with her breast cancer to be able to work. Kathy's brash sense of humor and deep love for her own mom, Maggie, were what made my mom and I both love so much about Kathy. We were avid watchers of her show, My Life on the D-List, and ate up the books she wrote as well. What Kathy has been subjected to these past few years has been heartbreaking because while she has a habit of making off-color dick jokes, she never means any true harm. I just wanted to extend good vibes, thoughts, etc., that Kathy is able to overcome this nonsense being thrown at her. And I hope once Kathy can tour again, I can see her live again, maybe somehow as part of when the Daily Beans hits the road again. Hmm? For my pet tax, I have included pictures of my future in-law's pupper, Athena, from a few Christmases ago. Yesterday, the 22nd, my future mother-in-law had had to put her to sleep due to Athena taking a turn for the worse against her battle with cancer. She was a total sweetheart who loved being the center of attention, and while she wasn't a fan of the Christmas antlers, she was always a good sport if it meant she would get belly ribs. She's Aww. not happy Aww. about the Christmas antlers. Aww. The other Allison, I'm going to send this note to, to Kathy um, for you, okay? Uh, this is wonderful. I love very this. Very sweet. Very, very sweet. Yeah, it was an honor to speak to her. I've I've loved her stuff for y- years. She's brilliant. Since the 90s, early 90s, you know? Yeah, I got to uh, meet her and be backstage with her at one of the galas for, I believe it was Equality California. She was being honored. Could have been the human rights campaign, but she was just a mensch. You know, I'm backstage and mm-hmm. she's, she's brilliant. She's one of those people that comedians, whether, you know, whether you, you love or hate her comedy... Her yeah. career and who she is and her voice, I mean, she's iconic. So she's she was lovely, absolutely lovely when I met her. 
Yeah, she was wonderful as well when, um, you know, we talked a little bit before and after the interview too. She's just fantastic. She's yeah. a fabulous person. She's just she wonderful. Is. Yep. Very, very down to earth. Yep. Yep. And just kind. So I appreciate that very much about, you know, people, people often ask me like, what is the secret of success? How do you do it? And I was like, first of all, it takes 10 years. Second of all, <laughs> um, be kind, work yeah. hard and be kind. That's all you have to do because there's a lot of funny assholes out there. Yeah. There's a lot of talented assholes out there and the talented, nice people are going to get jobs first. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And and the longevity of assholes is is not long, <laughs> honestly. Once she once they get in and they reveal their assholery, yeah. No matter how funny they are, or how great they are, they tend to burn bridges. So, all right. Anything before we get out of here on this Christmas Eve? That's it. Just you know, I I'm not going to be here t- um, tomorrow to wish you a Merry Christmas. So I do wish everyone just a really beautiful, peaceful holiday, and however you celebrate it. Um, you know, I hope that you are being safe and being as close as you can with your family without actually being close as you can with your family. Um, and just, it's just this year, it's just a year. Let's get through this. And hopefully by this time next year, you'll actually be able to hug your loved ones. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah. I'm looking at it as a year off from having to listen to uncle Frank, like say racist stuff. So, well, there you go. That's sort of, I'm just trying to box it up in a nice way for my brain to handle um but yeah everyone happy holidays whatever you do to celebrate and you know my dms are open follow us on twitter or you know pop in pop in an old podcast if you're lonely or you know just whatever you need to do send us a note you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact we'd love to hear from you just even if you're just sharing pet pictures or saying hi or or whatever just you know you're not alone we're all here together okay and everybody until tomorrow please take care of yourselves take care of each other and take care of your mental health and take care of the planet i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans the daily beans is executive produced and directed by ag and jordan coburn and engineered and edited by mackenzie mazell and starburns industries our marketing manager executive assistant production and social media direction is amanda reader fact checking and research by ag jordan coburn and amanda reader our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>